What are the best companies doing from a business banking perspective that owners need to be thinking about to be in those top tier companies? So I think that they are looking at their balance sheet, they're looking at their cash, they're looking at their ability to borrow, they're looking at their assets, and they're asking themselves the question, are they able to get what they need to get with the balance sheet? If not, what they need to do to get there. Okay. That's the, so, so their banking relationship should be not a conduit to get you where you were, but where you're going. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment, a podcast focused on empowering business owners to optimize their company along with their personal finances and succession plans. I'm your host, Joe Situ. In this season, we're focused on younger entrepreneurs who are navigating the challenges of the current environment. Our hope is that their stories inspire you to take the actions needed to overcome the challenges in your business that you might be facing. Grow and scale your company in a way you envision and ultimately achieve your perfect landing. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment. I'm your host, Joe C2. Today we're joined by my friend, Jeff Munson, who has over 26 years uh, in the banking industry. He's with American Business Bank that's located here in uh, Los Angeles. They're a $4 billion bank, and he currently serves as their executive uh, vice president in the San Fernando Valley, which he's been doing for the last four years, and we're happy to announce that, I guess, effective May, at the end of May here, he'll become the chief credit officer. Uh, Jeff has previously served as senior vice Vice President at uh, California United Bank and also Vice President in Union, uh, U.S. Bank. So, Jeff, with what's going on in the banking world, I thought it was timely that we sit down and hear directly from you. So, well, welcome to the Ripcord Moment. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, an exciting couple of weeks uh, in, in banking, for You're sure. right. Exciting, to say the least. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, all right, got to start with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how this occurred and why the collapse was so fast. Sure. Well, banks make... Banking should be a very simple business. We make money by borrowing short-term and lending long-term, and hopefully we make a couple of points each time we do it. That's, that's the model. The federal response to 2020's pandemic was to pump literally trillions of dollars into the system of liquidity. And so a lot of banks were sitting there with this um, huge amount of liquidity burning a hole in their proverbial pocket, and so what do you do with the money? Well, some banks broaden their lending processes, some went into new industries, including crypto and other dangerous industries. And uh, some banks just uh, looked at their bond portfolio differently. What, what um, Silicon Valley did was they tried to improve their yield by taking longer and longer bonds. And that- So increasing their duration risk. Yes, exactly. exactly. Longer maturing bonds, yes, exactly. Tr trying to above that yield, which was all fine and good. However, their short-term depositors didn't have any commitment. They could leave whenever they wanted to. And as I'm sure you know, the private equity market, which was a big part of their business model, shifted, um, as did their investment companies. And so when deposits started to leave the bank, they didn't have the liquidity because they couldn't sell those long-term bonds. Bonds, I think we can all agree, a, a, a UST bill that has no principal risk, but when the bond market jumps in the rates so fast, the ability to sell a three-year-old bond that yields one and a half percent is pretty hard when you can buy a brand new one at four and a half percent. Sure, <laughs> yeah. No, and they had to shift, obviously, a lot of it's from their 
uh, ready to sell portfolio to held to maturity. Exactly. And, and then you had to collapse and run on the bank. So, yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about why why is this different than, than 2008 and, and, and maybe in even some respects it's the same. What does that look like from your perspective, having lived through and right. worked through both of these um, environments? So, so 2008 was really a crisis in credit. Banks had made loans to borrowers who could not repay those loans. Um, and we can get into the, the mechanics of mortgage-backed securities and, 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 and taking them into derivatives. But the long story short, there were bad loans being made by banks and non-banks. The lending... Let me just pause real quick. <coughs> what, 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 what do you think it was about that environment that, I mean, you know, we're going to make a loan and there's a chance we're not going to get it paid back, but yet <clears throat> there was excessive risk-taking. What causes that to just keep occurring at these institutions? Well, I think that, in my, in my opinion, if you're doing it right, banking should be a single, maybe a double business. If you're aiming for a home run, you're inherently not a banker. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so in 2006, our bank was doing owner-occupied deals at loan-to-value of 60 and 65%. Our competitors were doing 85%. Two years later, when the market's down and banks stop lending, we're still doing 60, 65% loan-to-value owner-occupied deals. Before, uh, you know, two years ago, we were doing the same deal. We're doing the same deal now. We sort of specialize in sticking to what we do. Um, it's really easy, uh, especially if you're trying to manage to Wall Street's quarterly expectations, to stretch, to, yeah. to say this time it's different. And, it almost never is. Never is, right? <laughs> is, is there anything, so, so we've classified 2008 as more of a credit crisis. How would you classify what has been going on in 20, uh, 2023? I, I would say it's a liquidity crisis. Liquidity crisis. Yeah, I mean, okay. we, are, we are dealing right now, our competition on the deposit side is T-bills. Right. We have clients calling us, and it's true now, but it was also true two months ago, saying, hey, you're paying me 2% on the money market. Mm -hmm. I can get 30-day T-bills, which we all agree has less risk. Sure. Even in a bank's, we're a strong bank. Yeah, very still, strong bank. Yeah, yes. but, but still, even less risk. Four, four and a half. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I do Why that? Why wouldn't I do that? And, and the honest answer is, if you don't need that money, it's something you should consider. Sure. And we tell our clients that. Yeah. Um, if you... Uh, if it happens enough times, though, uh, it you have to think about liquidity. Uh, we are fortunately a very liquid bank, and we, we uh, really watch that sort of thing. But money can flow out in a hurry, compounded by the fact that both Signature Bank and, and uh, Silicon Valley Bank had technology that allowed money to move 24 hours a day, seven, seven days, days a week, week yeah. and really, really fast. Mm -hmm. um, so this was an incidence where technology almost wore, it was working against them. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I think that there has to be just a risk acknowledgement to, to not just dollars and cents and credit risk, but also how fast things can change. We just live in a faster world. So, you know, you bring up something interesting, which I think one of the reasons Silicon Valley Bank failed, they didn't have a, a chief risk officer for something like 12 or 18 months, I've read or heard. 
why let's pivot this back to business owners, which sure. is your bread and butter. It's what we focus on here in terms of this podcast. And so what is how, how should a business owner think about a chief risk officer and a bank and how while it only may not just in terms of their own loan and their own deposits, but in the broader scheme of the bank that they're using? Well, in my opinion, every person who works for a bank is to some degree the chief risk officer. What do you mean by that? I mean that you are for a living deciding if a you know 3%, 4% margin is worth what could go wrong for a real estate property, for a business owner. So everybody needs to be thinking about risk all the time. That includes liquidity risk, that includes enterprise risk. Yeah. Um, our reputation is our single most valuable asset and that enterprise risk is, is something that we look at every day and I need every employee in our bank doing that. That's how we keep going. So the, the lack of that title, mm -hmm. yes, that's important, but I think that the how one looks at every aspect of what you do in a bank should be, at the end of the day, thinking about risk. So I think what I'm hearing you say here, Jeff, which we'll tie back to the owners, is they, the owners, if they're, when they're evaluating what bank they want to work with, they need to understand really the culture yes. that permeates that bank, and it sounds like it's very strong in American Business Bank, related to are they all looking, is everybody there taking sort of that onus, that leadership of risk management, and it being first and foremost. Your, your banker should understand your balance sheet. And frankly, you should be asking questions about theirs. Yeah. You want your banker to speak banker, um, but you also <laughs> okay. want your banker to understand the difference between uh, entrepreneur and banker. Uh, our founder, uh, one of our founders, used the phrase consultants with capital. Okay. When he's hiring a banker, he didn't want somebody who was thinking of themselves as a lender or as a deposit gatherer. He wanted somebody who first and foremost was a consultant with capital. And, and I would say that when we bring on a new customer to ABB, we have been their banker for years before because we've been the one they call for advice before they're mm -hmm. a client. And so the transition from client, from prospect to client is, uh, is, is pretty seamless. We, we take great pride, and, and, and my job is to answer questions. Yeah. My, my, you know, we want to be the person, when I go to a, a party and people ask me what I do for a living, and I tell them I'm a commercial banker, either they, they leave, right. or they, they ask me questions about the economy, they ask me questions about you know, uh, currency risk, they ask me questions about what's going on in other countries, because a banker, should be yeah. one of those people who is talking about money and all aspects of money and the risk associated with money all the time. Not just pushing product, but really has a deep knowledge about the, the financial markets, the credit markets, business, like you said, they're a true consultant. I, I love that. I want to pivot back to what you just said a few minutes ago about the business owners asking questions of their bankers. So, you know, share with us a few of like, you know, because you, you might get the generic question, well, you know, how safe are you or right. what's your, you know, credit rating or this, that, and the other. Like, what are some of the deeper questions sure. that your business owner clients are asking you? So, so two of the things that I am most proud about, our bank is 25 years old next, next month, and we have written off 
$450,000 in bad credit in that entire run. Right. We Which is a very small percentage. <laughs> very small yeah, percentage we, we have, we're, of the banking assets. We currently have two and a half billion in loans. We've lent five billion over that twenty-five years. Okay. We uh, we make mistakes all the time. Sure. But we have a nice moat around those mistakes, so yeah. we can we can catch up. Um, we've never taken back a property in the history of the bank. Never That's foreclosed amazing. on our property. Okay. And you should be asking your bank about their loan portfolio, not your loan but their portfolio. Sure. You should be asking them about their bond strategy. You should be asking them about what was it like for them in 2008? What did they do? Um, we believe that if you're doing it right, you should be you know, agnostic to the economy. You should be aware of it, but you should do what you do because hopefully your, your customers are smart and they can adjust. So they should be asking about that, but also they should be talking about senior management. We, we believe that, um, matter of fact, I, we have 2,000 clients bank-wide. I bet 99% have met one of our five members of our executive team. Okay. Um, and if the other 1% who has it will in the next 90 days. Yeah, uh, because you're very relational we, in, we are, in we nature are, of how you run the bank. You, you just want the perspective of what the bank is thinking. So, so yes, your banker you should meet. We should also meet the regional guy. You should yeah. meet the people around because you want that cultural identification. And also just talk about, you know, what's happened. How, you know, what's your safety and soundness? You can ask capital ratios and you can ask that stuff and maybe you understand it, but it's- Most really, owners I've met, by the way, don't, right? right? Exactly. So this is why I want to yeah. get specific questions. So, so I think you really want to know about what happened in the bad times, yeah. what the bank did, and what the bank is doing in the last two weeks. Sure. How are you looking at things? So speaking of which, the last two weeks, do you, th you know, talking about what the Fed has done, the, the Treasury, it does seem to be calming the markets. We've got this sort of idea that they're going to bail out depositors. What, do you think they've gone far enough? So, yes. So, I mean, my, 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 uh, my, the phone calls I get this week were not nearly as scary as last week and much better than two weeks <laughs> ago for sure. Our, our clients have calmed down. I think that the Treasury and the Fed basically stepped in and did two things. They, they guaranteed the deposits for those two banks. Yep. And secondly, they gave the banks the ability to pull liquidity at par value of their bond books. Right. That should buy us some time. Right. That should buy even the banks who uh, might have pushed too far into the long category should buy some time. Do I think that the Congress has the appetite to make unlimited deposits uh, insured? No, I no, don't. I don't think so. But I do think that when you look at the history of, of uh, bank failures, um, the depositors have been taken care of largely by, mm -hmm. the, by, by the Fed and the Treasury over time. And I, I, I think there is a, if not a guarantee, there's an implicit confidence boost by the Fed and the Treasury. Going for well, let's just stick on this for just a second. Sure. You you said something there that I want to just dig into, so maybe people have more of a technical understanding, right? Because the bond portfolio that most banks have, right, when interest rates go up, the current value of those drop, right. and then that is theoretically what was being yes. used to um, access liquidity. And what you're saying is that even if the current value is less than what the the maturity value would be or the par value of those holdings. The Fed has actually allowed them to yep. have that higher value to be able to, to yes. borrow against. Our, our, our bank has a portfolio of $1.4 billion, give or take, in primarily treasuries and, 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 and very safe, boring, government-backed <laughs> investments yeah. that 
have lost value over the last, because the market's changed so much. So we have on our books at, at 1231, we had an $81 million non-cash loss on right. that bond portfolio. Right, value. sure. And, and, and selling those, unless you really had to, of course you don't want to sell them for a loss. Of course not. Um, Right now, we can borrow at that four at the full at the value, number, the full value. Right, right. Got it. And, and it gives, Which you'll get when they mature. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, I think we can all agree that our bonds, when they do mature, will pay us one hundred percent of of value. Okay. <laughs> they are federally backed. So let's talk a little bit about the composition of your clients. I'd love sure. to get into you know the kind of clients that you service. You know who are good clients for your bank. Who you like working with. Talk to us a little bit about who who those are. So we. Are the, the, the five C's of credit everyone talks about. The most important for us is character. We want good management. We're going to be asking you questions about what happened in 2008 to your company. We're going to ask about good times and bad times, how you responded to the pandemic. We want management. Our companies, they make money. And that's one of the big differences with some of the banks who are in trouble right now. They have a burn rate. Their companies are spending money because they're losing money. Yep. Our companies don't burn money. Yeah. <laughs> they make money. Sure, they're profitable. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Exactly. idea, right? It's a crazy idea. Um, and, and you know, we, we want business owners. Um, with a, we don't do crypto. We don't do um, marijuana-related businesses. But barring that, we just want the best 5% of the market. Mm -hmm. If you're the best contractor, we want to talk to you. Okay. If you're the best manufacturer of cosmetics, we want to talk to you. We, um, we, we like, and, and we like old-fashioned manufacturers, wholesalers, distributors, contractors. We have a lot of law firms and CPA firms, just well-run companies who mm -hmm. have weathered storms because they're going to weather this storm too. Absolutely. So in terms of the advice you would give to an owner, in terms of sort of their call to action, sure. right? I call this a ripcord moment because I think businesses, you know, that are, they want to go from a lifestyle business to one that's transferable, whether sure. it's to the next generation, other management partners, a third party sale, which you've done a lot of as well over the years. Sure. What are the best companies doing from a business banking perspective that owners need to be thinking about to be in those top tier companies? So I think that they are looking at their balance sheet, they're looking at their cash, they're looking at their ability to borrow, they're looking at their assets, and they're asking themselves the question, are they able to get what they need to get with the balance sheet? And if not, what they need to do to get there. Okay. That's the, so, so their banking relationship should be not a conduit to get you where you were, but where you're going. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself to get you from this 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week lifestyle to one that you're either part-time or, or out of entirely, what do you need to look like on a cash basis, a cash flow basis and a debt structure? And your bank should be helping you understand yep. what exists out there to get there. So on, on what exists to get, I want to take just sure. one step sure, back sure. in terms of like risk management, right? So obviously, is there anything else besides the, besides the ICS program that, that are out there, the CEDARS programs that business owners should be doing just to, if they have large amounts of cash, at a bank to shore themselves up from a risk management standpoint? So I think that... I mean, for a company who's doing 30 million in revenue, you can't 
have two hundred fifty thousand in your, your account. You no, just, your, your payroll is a million dollars. Of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so, it's so, not so, so you, you can't FDIC insure your your entire life. Um, so, obviously, is your bank a bank who's in trouble? Right. Ask those questions. You should know the answer. Yeah. And 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 maybe your banker doesn't know the answer, but their boss does. Yeah. So so find out. Find out. Find out what yeah. your bank is like. Yeah. F- find out their balance okay. sheet. Ask someone. Drill down. Um, if you have cash well in excess of what you need, then then talk about that. There are options, and maybe it's it's maybe some in treasuries is the answer, or maybe um, you have the ability to do a money market account uh, with a, with an investment house. Right. There there are there are safe investments that are either federally backed or FDIC backed or something that you can do. So I think that you okay. should be looking at how much cash do you have and how much cash do you need. I mean, I have companies who are doing 200 million in revenue, they have to have $20 million. Right. Not, not because they're crazy rich, but because no, they have bills. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Sure. So, so you need to decide what you need to operate. Mm-hmm. You need to decide. And, and you should be talking to your banker about what options that they have. Okay. Um, and yes, there is the ICS program. There is Federated and there's CDARS and, and various programs that allow you to increase your FDIC insurance. But all of those come with operational challenges that yeah. you just need to understand. I just, no, that's great. Um, Anything else in terms of pearls of wisdom you would share with with business owners that they should just be thinking about doing as they're institutionalizing or just doing good good business practices? I I, I think that you should watch the financial news networks with a suspicious eye. Okay, I, 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 I agree <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's uh, dishonest, but I do think it's uh, it's hyped. Um, I, I really sure. do think that the number of, of, of uh, um, bank closures that we see on the horizon, I can't promise you it's none, but I do think that we're now realizing that banking's not gonna stop on Wednesday. No. We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna be around. Sure, yeah, <laughs> so, for better or worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, that, I, I would say that. And, and number two, I, I say that, that um, whatever your risk tolerance is as a bank, yeah. you should be thinking about your, sorry, uh, as a company, yeah. you should be applying that risk tolerance to your bank. Yeah, making sure there's alignment there. Yeah. Jeff, if anyone in the audience wanted to get a hold of you, um, how would they go about doing it? So I uh, am in the car a fair amount, as you can imagine. So my cell phone's the best way. I know this is dangerous, but I'm at 818-212-7652. No prank calls. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Call away. I'm around. Right. Um, uh, my email address, if you want, is jmunson at americanbb.bank, and I'm around. And I meant what I said about consultants with capital. Yeah. I want to educate that. the market, and it doesn't necessarily mean you need to move to me. Yeah. I, I, I want, I want California. I want Southern California, where I where I live and work, to uh, to be a good place. Yeah. And so, by all means, give me a call. I love, that's, I love that about you, Jeff. You're always a wealth of knowledge. You're so generous in you know, your idea sharing. And I really appreciate you taking the time here to come in and talk to us about banking, especially during uh, uh, these turbulent times. It's good to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is Joe C2. We'll sign off from the Ripcord moment, and we'll catch you next time.